0: Well, thank you all so much for coming. We know Labor Day weekend is usually a, um, a smaller group. But also it reminds me, because you know what we're doing today, right? We're talking about what your teams have said. And it's like in my counseling sessions. You know, at first, the first sessions I get to know people. And and then when they start realizing that I'm going to start getting into some things that they need to change, it's like, oh, you know what, I can't make this appointment. It's, uh, Um, so, so when my clients feel like I'm really going to start getting to their issues, um, to their issues, uh, it's like there's excuses not to come to counseling. It's really pretty funny. So, um, but anyway, that's not what it is. It's Labor Day weekend, and um, thank y'all for being here, and let's just open in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for this time, and Father, we thank you that you have found us worthy to raise these precious, precious children of yours. Father, you say in your word that whatever we do to the least of our brethren, we do to you. And how much more vulnerable than the children in our lives. Father, you also say that no love had man greater than that he would lay down his life for his brother. So, Father, when we choose to make decisions that lay down our time, our commitments, to everything else but our children, Father, we actually are more like you when we're able to do that. Never once, Lord, did a child come to you that you refused. And so, Father, I just thank you that, um, that you've entrusted us with these precious children. And Lord, we just, um, ask you, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom, the knowledge, and good judgment, Lord, to make the decisions in our children's lives that, that honor and glorify you. And, Father, at the end of the day, what we want to hear is, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So, Father, we thank you for this day, this gorgeous, beautiful day. We give you the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. So, um, just a couple of quick announcements. Um, We do have, Rockpoint has a Women in the Workplace luncheon. It's like the second Wednesday of every month. And it's going to be this Wednesday, September 8th. And I'll be speaking. So when you hear women in the workplace, do you think of just women who work outside the home? Uh, wouldn't you know that the home is like a big workplace? So this is open for all women, whether they're from Rock Point or not. Bring your friends, your girlfriends. It's um, from 1115 to 1245. It's it's on the Rock Point website. But it's at Rogue Modern Bistro Restaurant, which is right across from JCPenney's off 2499. dollars um, So it's 58 Ten Long Prairie Road, and I want to say before we get started, I want to go over a couple of slides that we missed last Sunday because they're really, really important. But I also want to say this: as we go through the survey, I don't want you to feel condemned <clears throat> because this is this is this is to educate us. These this study, these studies are to educate us. But it's not. It's going to be. A, Waste of your time for me to sit here and talk to you about all the things you're doing right. So, as we start to go over the slides of the surveys from your children, our children, um, they may seem a little harsh, but, but that's what we need to hear. Because the things that are working, we don't need to change. It's the things that are not working that we need to change. So, I wanted to go over a couple of slides from last Sunday that we really didn't have a chance to go over. The four goals of misbehavior, and this is from birth till 35 years old, if our kids are 35 years old. There are four goals of misbehavior. There's, um, they're misbehaving for one of these four reasons. Attention, right? And we ta- we've we talked about that through all our series. We've talked about if the only time your children are getting your attention is when they're doing something bad, they're going to do something bad to get your attention. Um, revenge. You know, I the way I dealt with revenge with my parents was the passive-aggressive passive behavior. It's like, I want to go to this dance. You know, I went to a Catholic school group, going to Catholic high school, and if my parents said, no, you went out last night, I'm like, okay. And I'd go to my room, and I would talk to them all weekend. And it bugged my mom. Now, had she been to my classes, she would have just known to ignore me. But she didn't. She fed right into my passive-aggressive behavior, and most likely at the end of the day, I was going to the dance. Yay, it worked. So the revenge is how your child is going to respond to the rules that you have. And, um, And it's okay as long as two things. Most anything that your children do is okay except for two things, if it's going to hurt them or hurt someone else. Then it's not okay. Um, power. We talked about a lot about during this series the power of choices. If, if the children feel that they don't have power, whether they're two or 22, that they have no power with what's going on, they're going to rebel. They're, they're just going to do that. If you have every single thing is a no. and some of the survey thing, some of the surveys that I read over, by the way, there were hundred five of them kids really wanted you to know. Um, if, if we've taken away every single thing that to them speaks power, then they're going to rebel. And, and it, you know, we've talked about picking your battles. The hair is not going to be a big one. The clothes shouldn't be a big one unless they're immoral or they have something that we certainly disagree with. on. And even the schools, I mean, like, even in the public schools, secular schools don't um, allow some of these things. But if they look at you, and and a lot of actually, a lot of the girls, put the parents, especially the mom, don't give them power. um, Then they're going to rebel. And inadequacy. You're not going to be able to make. You know, you'll never be an NFL player. Stop just concentrating on that. Or no, you can't do this. You've not had the experience. Or you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. How do we know? I was guilty of that. I had a son with learning differences, and I thought, he's not going to be able to do this. He's not going to. And he so, not to be saying anything, but he so showed me, Mom, you were so wrong. Wow. I mean, I was shocked. And to this day, he shocks me. So when there's this feeling of inadequacy, that's when you're going to find misbehavior. And so um, I had a parent email me because we're having some issues, and she said, Diane, you said that anger is what kind of an emotion? What kind of a, uh, emotion is anger? Is it a primary or a secondary? Does anybody know? It's a secondary. You'll hear some psycho, psychos out there say, no, it's a primary. It is not. It's a secondary emotion. People don't get angry for nothing. There's angry because there's a reason. Under the reason of anger, pain, fear and injustice. There's a lot of others, but they really all fall in, I mean, there's a few others, but they all fall under that. So when your child is demonstrating anger, don't look at it saying, you little stinker, you're in trouble, you're in... Think, what is causing her or him pain? What are they afraid of? Or what injustice has happened in their life that I don't know about, that I need to talk to them about? So I did just want to go over that with you, that the four goals of misbehavior are these four, and, again, I did talk to Tammy, and we're going to have all my PowerPoints online so you can access them uh, online. And, and it is recorded, so if there's people that weren't able to make that, you know, it's recorded. You just go on the Rock Point website. You go to the um, this look right here. You click on there. It has all of my sessions recorded, and they're going to have all the PowerPoints on there. So don't get um, nervous that we don't. Um, how can I discipline my child? So, um, and this is from young to older. So, obviously, the more younger ones, we want to distract them, right? We want to, like, no, don't do that. It's like, hey, Jimmy, look at this, right? So, we're going to use kind of a distraction. Um, ignore the misbehavior. So, when my three-year-old granddaughter that's here that was here last week, when she's throwing a fit, you know, you look at the principle. What is the principle of time out? The timeout says your behavior is not worthy of being in our social circle. And God made us to be social beings. Kids want to be, most of the time, when they're teenagers, it's a little different, but let's just stay focused here. They want to be involved with us. And so when you put them in timeout, you're saying your behavior does not warrant you being accepted into our social circle. So, So the timeout is relevant to that. Um, and so what I do is my granddaughter, she's throwing a fit out in public, and I can't say go stand in the, you know, go sit down in your little timeout chair. I keep turning my back to her, basically saying you're not worthy of my attention. That behavior is not going to get you. You just wait till you see we're going to go to the bathroom. You're going to us back. You know that's a lot of attention. It's like no, and she'll come around. I'm like no, come around until she finally realizes I've got to stop what I'm doing. Um, structure the environment. If you don't want them touching things, get them out of the way. Um, And the same thing for your team. If you don't want them eating um, bad food, don't have a pantry full of snacks, right? You've got to think, what am I wanting a change in their behavior that I'm actually facilitating? If you like junk food, you don't want them to eat junk food, keep it at your office or in your car. Don't put it in the house. Um, Control the situation, not the child. It's not about the child. God loves us. He hates our sin. We love our children. We hate what they do sometimes. And so we're not going to attack the child. We're going to attack the problem. And so we want to make sure that we're actually working at controlling the situation because there's times, except for what we do, that we can't control our children. You're not going to pull them out by the hair, throw him in the car to come to church. You know, you can, but that'll be for a time. Involve the child. Remember we talked about one of the things that, that kids don't like is they feel they have no power. So you start making these list of chores or list of rules in the house, but they have no input into it. We even know that I do a lot of uh, divorce. I am not a proponent of divorce, but if there's a divorce, I, I help do it in a way that doesn't put people in litigation. Um, and, and the more I can involve the, the couple um, in the process, the more they're going to abide by the process. The more you can ab- involve your child in a process, the more they're going to abide by it. Okay, well, what do you think we ought to do if you break your curfew? Right? Involve them in some of the, the things that you're going to uh, put. Plan time for loving. I'm going to tell you guys, this survey was full of lack of love, that the kids feel a lack of love from their parents. Huge. So, again, then what to your child speaks love? Because what happens with, Any person, whether we're you know, I'm counseling a couple or a family, is I know what makes me happy. I know what I like to do, so I think, well, let's do this. They'll have a great time. And the kids are going, I don't want to do that. Now I had a father who loved to play golf. He had five boys. And I I haven't figured out why that if it's that they don't like golf because he it was such a big thing in his life and it took him away so much, or they really just don't like golf. So I kept trying to tell the dead, you need to get in their world. And that's what I saw in the survey. These kids feel like we're not in their world. We're trying to force them into our world. And we have to let go. <coughs> There's times that you're just not going to fix something. You know, C.L. Lewis, let go, let God. That was the biggest uh, lesson for me to learn because I'm like a very, I was like very, you know, no, I can't let go. I can fix this. Sometimes they're not meant to be fixed. So so we have to say, you know, C.L. Lewis says do all that you know to do. All that you know to do. And you're here. You're here because you want to learn the tools. But at some point, if they're not working, you've got to let go and let God. And increase your consistency. If the kids feel that one day you say this, one day you say that, they have all the power to manipulate you. Let your yeas be yeas and your nays be nays. They need to know that no matter what's happening around their chaotic world, they can come to you and there's going to be consistency. Kids will tell me, I work with a lot of kids of divorce, and I have this 16-year-old boy, and he said, you know, Miss Diane, my parents used to make us do these games on Sunday, and I hated them. I just hated them. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be out with my friends, but we're playing these stupid games. And now he's saying, what I missed the most with my parents divorced were those games. So even if they holler, scream, kick, whatever, mm, sorry guys, this is, this is, yes you have time with your friends, yes you have time, but this is what we do as a family. Notice positive behavior. So it goes back to that behavior. Um, so if we, if all we're noticing is the negative, we get negative. If, like I said, we've talked a lot about this a lot, if you're on the phone and they're behaving and you go and you go, you know what, thanks. Or they come in right on time or early, then their are is like, hey, thank you for doing that. And they're like, they may look at you like, you've just lost your mind. But it's okay. They internalize it. They internalize it. Excuse the child with timeout. We've talked about that. We also talked about sometimes you need a timeout. Sometimes I need it. There were times I'm like, guys, I'm going to timeout. And they look like, my mom is totally weird. Yeah, but I needed a timeout because I knew what I was going to do was not coming from here. The the actual, it was coming from back here. I'm upset with you, and you're in major trouble. And I you're grounded for two years. Which is another thing when we talk about, please make sure that your discipline is relative to the offense. Because if, if a kid does something and you ground them for a month, usually a month from anything, they go after the third, they're like, you know what, why even bother? I'm grounded so long, might as well do what I want to do. It's got to be relative to what they did. So, um, anyway, I just wanted to go over those things with you um, before we get into our next session. And I, did, I have handouts, but I have not given them to you because I didn't want you thumbing through, what did they say about mom, what did they say about that? No, we're going to listen to what I have to. So, there's a little control here, but it's okay. <laughs> I can tell her stuff. And I took the 105 surveys, and um, the wording may be different in some of them, and it's like kind of they're listed in priority. Um, but the one thing I did here was I can tell my mom stuff. Now, moms don't get all puffy because as the survey went down, it's like, oh, okay. But. They all said, the majority of them felt like, I can tell my mom stuff. That's awesome. That's good. I had a 12-year-old in my office yesterday, and I said, tell me what adult you can go to when things aren't going good for you. And the tears just started to fall. And she said, no one. And I said, not your mom, not your dad, not a teacher, not a counselor, not a – no one. So I have a lot of work with this little girl. I can go to her for anything. Um, it, from, from the survey, it was obvious that moms tend to give the kids more of what they want, you know, whether it comes to buying them stuff and, you know, hiding it in the trunk till dad's in the house and then, <laughs> oh, where did that come from? Huh, she's had that forever. <laughs> she, see, here it goes. She buys me stuff. She provides a good environment. A lot of kids said this in different ways, but kind of like you were the lively person in the home, and that made them feel good. Um, what was your favorite thing about your dad? He's nice. <laughs> a, lot them, a lot of them said that. Not all of them said that. Um, but again, be careful, because as we start going down, you're going to see where their hearts are really coming out. He loves me. Wow. They need to know, Dad, that you love him, that you love her. They have got to know that. They cannot think that you do. Um, you know, it goes back to to husbands who don't tell their wives, Well, I told her twenty something years ago I loved her, what's the problem? Right? And and for kids, it's not only what you say, but do you do you walk your talk? So um but they did say that, so that was good. He's a lot of fun. So um a little bit of that has to do with sometimes when dads don't know how to handle something, they make, they do it, they do kind of joking, funny, and the wives are like, no, you need to be serious, oh. So when, sometimes when men don't know how to handle a situation, they become fun and joking, and so, it can be both of these, you know, that they are fun. He's funny. Yeah, I bet he is. When he, doesn't, <laughs> when he doesn't know how to handle a situation, oh, yeah, they can get really funny. <laughs> um, what would a perfect day include for you? And I'm going to tell you I was really surprised uh, with, of course, you know, your number one was spending time with friends for these age groups. But I felt really good about this. They included that in their perfect day. I mean, certainly there were some that said, you know, we go wakeboarding, or we get to go to the movies, or we go to the mall with my friends, or they didn't. But I was really impressed how a lot of them put in there that a perfect day would include doing something as a family. Okay, here's where we start to go. A perfect day for them would be no arguing at home. There were a lot of these no stress. And the stress doesn't necessarily mean you're giving them stress. It could be schools giving them stress, their sports are giving them stress, they're giving themselves stress. But as their advocate, it's our job to find out what are the areas in their lives that are causing stress and how do we deal with that. What one thing would you like for your mom to start doing for you? A lot of the kids felt like moms were still trying to teach them, like uh, still trying, treating them like little kids,
1: mm-hmm. like they
0: weren't giving. You know, that goes back to the empowering them to do more things, um, and and it includes things like teaching them how to cook, like teaching them how to wash their clothes, because remember that that misbehavior goes back to um, them feeling inadequate. So the more mom that y'all are able to, you know what? Hey, can you handle this for me? And you're like. Even if you don't know that they can, give them the opportunity. And if they mess up, go, oh, you know, what that happened to me the first time I tried this. Let's see how else we can do this. But they really, Mom, are wanting you to, to kind of step back and stop hovering. They're going to come to you when they need you because they're, they're st- remember, this is the hardest age in our entire life. They want their independence, but they still want to know that you guys are close. Letting me do things on my own, pretty consistent with, um, you know, Mom's needing to let go. Some said, just be there. We feel like we always have to, to kids. Just be there. Just be in their little world. Just be there. Um, and the single mom, one of uh, my sons was very active in basketball. And um, I was always, even out, out of town things, and it was funny because you'd have all these men, and here's the mom. But you know what? My son knew. And a lot of times he sat on the bench because he had just made the team because he was a little guy. But he knew that I was going to be there watching him, supporting him, screaming for the team. He knew I was going to be there. I didn't have to say anything. I just had to be there. Praise me more. They um, they felt like mom got on them about a lot of little things. And this goes to picking your battle. This goes to, to again, noticing the good, the, the good behavior instead of the bad behavior. They really want you... And, and again, if you all are familiar with the five love languages, those are not just for couples. They're for kids, too. So, so you know, I would encourage you to try and discover what your child's love language is because, um, that's, you know, we tend to love in the language that we are. But once we know what our children are, we really need to try and love in their world. And men, mostly, generally speaking, not all, their first is words of affirmation. And that will be true of your children at this age, those words of affirmation. More home-cooked meals. Can you imagine that? I don't know. I mean, the way some of the kids talk to me about their mother's cooking, I don't think they'd be saying that. But, And you know what? I'm not even so sure if it's more home-cooked meals or it's just bringing the meals home. Let's sit around the table. Let's turn off the TV. Let's turn off our cell phones. Let's turn off our pagers. Let's not, not answer the phone. Let's just sit together, and that's the one time of the day. And I know our schedules are crazy, but even if we do it a few times during the week, um, so maybe it's not the food, maybe it's the environment, okay? What one thing would you like for your dad to start doing for you? Express love. Probably 99% of the kids said, I need my dad to express love. And, and here we go again. You may think you do, but is that what they think? Are you doing it in a way that makes them feel loved? So you might have those conversations with him. You. you know, son, I really care for you. What makes you, what is it that I do that makes you feel that I care for you? You know, sometimes we think we have to figure it all out. You just need to ask. What is it that makes you feel good? What is it that we do together that that makes you feel good? Encourage me. Um, The kids did talk a lot about dads, um, kind of the same with mom and probably more um, getting on them when, um, you know, I mean, I have kids that say, you know, I made an 89. My dad said, why didn't you make 100? So instead of saying, you know what, son, that's a good grade, what do you think you could have done differently to do a, make a better grade, right? So remember, it's always about putting it back on them. Hang out with me. Kids feel like their dad's just, and this was big too. This is real big. They felt like dad's too busy with work or when he is home, he's watching TV or doing on the computer or doing other things that sometimes they just want you to hang with them. Even if they don't act like they do. You know, kids are, the message, don't trust the messages that you think you're seeing. Trust the facts and what they say when they don't know that. I mean, people will, the kids will tell me stuff because they don't know me. And so, so this is what I'm telling you your kids are saying. (laughs) Open door for more communication. Okay, we know you are not the great, the best communicators. And I don't know if that's because we tend to overpower you. Okay, and we probably do. But then maybe make sure you have that planned time for away time just with you. And remember I also talked about individual, treating your children individually. Spend time with them individually. I had a mother that said, well, when he takes my son, I want him to take my daughter too. And I'm like, no. He needs to take his son and he needs to take his daughter at different times. Or, Well, he does spend time with his dad. The boys are outside doing the yard. We're inside doing the housework. I'm like, We're going to have us talk about responsibilities, first of all. That should be mixed. You know, there should be times when the daughter's outside with the dad. There should be times when the boys are inside with mom. And I will actually have parents go, well, don't you think it should be this way? No, I don't think it should be that way. I think my dad really wanted boys. We had, I had one brother, there were four of us girls, and he treated us like boys. We mowed the lawn, okay, not even motors. They were just the blades. (laughs) We had five pecan trees. We had to – I'd go in with my hands bleeding, and my mother was like, they're not boys. But you know what? I am so glad my dad taught me. We have, like, the best work ethics. Less time at work, that's a no-brainer. Less time in front of the TV, we talked about that. Doing things with me that are of interest to me. To me. Right? So it goes back to that father who played golf and, you know, wanted all the boys to do it. In fact, the, the son that he had, the youngest one, was in third grade. Uh, I saw a paper that he had written that said, I wish I was a golf club so my dad would spend more time with me. So, again, it's not to condemn us. It's to open our eyes to what it is that we need to do. To stop, what would you want your dad to stop doing for you or to you? (coughs) This was like 98%. They felt like dads, dads went from zero to 60 with their anger. Can I tell you that God did not make men macho? Society has made men macho. What's our first clue that God did not make men macho? Anybody? okay, let's take the Garden of Eden. And God comes, and they've eaten of the apple. God doesn't go to Eve and say, why did you eat that apple? Who does he go to? He goes to Adam, because Adam was to be the head, right? And Adam goes, oh, no, 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 that woman that you gave me? <laughs> He's like, puts her in front of like, no, remember you gave this. I didn't want her. You just gave her to me. First clue God did not make men macho. Society does. Society says dads are to be hard, moms are. To... Okay, let's think about how Christ modeled that. Do you ever remember Christ being <laughs> hard or macho to people that he was developing a relationship with? Yes, he spoke words of sincerity. But we, when he went into his father's house and turned over the tables, And and demonstrated anger in different ways. It was never with people he was seeking to have a relationship with. And so, but society says that, and men were raised, don't cry you're acting like a sissy. Don't cry you're acting like a little girl. When the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, clearly says, That men, men, we all have tear ducts, and there's a reason why they call this good grief. It's a way of cleansing and healing. But society says, men shouldn't cry, men should. So when my little boys that I counsel, when they're the pain, the fear, the injustice, where do they go straight to? Anger. Why? Why? Because they've been socialized. Because it's socially acceptable for a boy to kick and scream and bite and yell. No, God did not plan that. Society has made it that way. So, so you don't have to be tough with your kids. You remember, rules without the relationship is what's going to equal the rebellion. Disagreeing with me about everything. Because men are about fix it, right? And your wives will be the first to tell you, I don't want you to fix my problem." I just want to tell you about it. So sometimes the greatest thing that that um, men that you can do is when your kids start to talk to you or your wife starts to talk to you is just first listen and then say, "How can I help with that?" But again, you've been socialized to fix. I'm not condemning you. That's what you've been socialized to do. And so, but but what they're looking for is. If you disagree with them, and and it's not that they don't, they mind the debate, it's that a lot of times they feel their dads have to be right, and the the, the disagreement's not going to stop until dad's trying to prove to you that he's right, and then he leaves. There's more power in saying, wow, son, you know, wow, sweetie, I never even thought of something that way. You know what, I can, I like that thinking. Right? So they need to feel again that goes back to that power. When they feel they have no power, then starts kind of the rebellion. Stop yelling at me when I make a mistake. This was huge as well. These were is probably rallied up there. The yelling. And I'm and, and I see that all through the survey. Yelling, arguing, mom and dad arguing, them yelling at me. Remember one of the last things I said last Sunday is when we left was Try treating your children like they were um, an exchange student that someone had entrusted in your care. How would you treat them? I mean, when you knew that at some point they're going back to their parents, right? But isn't that the same thing? God's entrusted these children to us. They are going back to His parent, and God holds us accountable. So it's kind of... So I'm just saying, if we could look at it in that. instead of, would we treat an exchange student like this? Why would we do that to our own? Get into my world instead of trying to get me in his, and I mean that, again, it's just, I'm just telling you these were, like, a priority, and we talked a little bit of it, treating me like a little kid. And sometimes we forget. Um, You know, we keep our kids at a certain level, and we think because we're older, That we know more. I'm telling you, this is the most technologically advanced generation ever. But what has been the sacrifice for that is that our children emotionally and behaviorally are immature. So, like, when we were 18, okay, we didn't know all the stuff about the computers. But we had, we were, you know, we could go to college. We could, our kids are not there. Knock off about four years. So if your child is 18, expect them to act like a 14-year-old. Because because society has not, we've not developed them emotionally and behaviorally the way they need to. um, Socially, look at how much more, you know, when y'all were kids, I know when I was kids, we were outside playing with the neighbors. That social interaction teaches us, you know, that when we misbehave, we get ousted from the, the team. There's a lot of what we call lateral play, which is kids doing stuff by themselves on the computer by themselves, text messaging by themselves. so what what's happened is they they're immature in how to how to act socially, and when we do everything for them, and then we have them leave at eighteen and they know how to do nothing for themselves, most kids can't even do their own checking or savings account. We've set them up for failure. Instead of letting go, trusting them, letting them fail underneath us, we can get them back up, help them, and so that when we do send them. But that's why right now I have to tell parents, your first year of college for your students, maybe even your second, is probably not going to go well. And the other thing is they also have a lot of choices. But I'm telling you, we've kind of done some dumbing down in the behavioral and the social and, and maturity of our children. And... It's not all our fault. I mean, it's society. They live in a in a sinful world. Um And so, technologically, they can blow us out of the water. But then we expect them to be mature as we were in other areas, and they're just not. We've done dumbing down in the schools. So, it's just kind of what's happened in our society. But as long as we recognize that, we're okay. <clears throat> so, they don't want to be treated like kids. Okay? So, um if they roll their eyes or do something like that, say, you know, son, I just noticed you rolled your eyes. Tell me why you did that, instead of, like, you roll those eyes again, and those eyes are coming out of those sockets. <laughs> <laughs> or you do that again, and that hammer's coming out, and you'll be minus a couple of things. Because we don't know why they're doing it. We think we know, but we don't know why they may be doing it. What one thing would you like for your mom to stop doing for you or to you? So what does that picture kind of say? No. Um, I had a case. I had a, one attempted suicide and um, another child who, in the same family who was considering suicide. And when I got to the nitty and the gritty of it, it's because of the parents arguing. And when I brought that attention to the parents, they stopped coming to see me. And all I can do is pray about that. Can't force them I can't go in their world and slap them around. I I can't call CPS. It's not anything CPS. But I can't tell you how it tugs on my heart to know that they're behaving directly on what the parents are doing, and the parents have no desire to change. I had this father, um, this couple, and um, he was really, really hard on his son. And I think I told y'all a little bit about it. Um, And and so, anyway, I was seeing the family. You know, the boy was acting out. They brought the boy to me, and it, it turned out that Dad was a big yeller, and Mom was an enabler. So, Mom felt she had to overprotect because Dad was, like, you know, bombing him all the time. And um, so, the son, and I told you all a little bit about this, but I didn't tell you the whole story. He wanted to be a basketball. He wanted, to, you know, he, his goal was, you know, if you asked him, what was what's your dream? He said, I want to be a, a basketball player. I'm like, okay. Who am I to say he can't? I don't know. But we need to, you know, make sure your life is balanced and make sure your grades are doing good. And So, anyway, he Dad hears Mom and the son talking about, in the kitchen, talking about how he wants to, um, you know, Mom, I'm so excited. I made the basketball team. They're going to do And, and Father said, I'm sorry, Diane. I can't help myself. I go in there and I say, well, I want to see what your grades are doing. So like, yell, 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 yell. The kid leaves the room and just goes up to his bedroom. And I said, Dad, Dad said, I swear, Diane, I cannot help myself. And I said, okay, tell me someone that you really, really admire. Just tell me someone in your life that you've really admired. He said, you know, I didn't really admire my dad much. An uncle, there's this uncle that I've really admired. He was there for me, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, well, let me ask you something. As you're walking to the kitchen, you know, to jump in your son's throat, if this uncle were to walk in at that very minute, what would you do? And he said, well, I wouldn't do it. And I said, oh, so you can you can keep from doing it. You're just choosing not to. You see, there's a difference. Now, there are some people who have some pathological disorders who would say, I can't control myself. This father, all it would take would be someone that he admired to come in and watch his funky behavior, and he would stop. So, in fact, he could control himself. He was just choosing not to. <laughs> Worrying about me so much. Well, where are you going? Well, what are you going to do? Remember, for parents, kind of the less that you can talk, the better. If, if, you, if, you, if it's set, the tours are set. I don't have to talk to you about that. I just, you know, I'm going to chat, make sure they're done so that if I need to. Um, I don't need to know every second of your day. Now, it's hard because you're going to say, I'm going to give you this freedom. And then if something happens with me giving you that freedom, then we need to talk about it and we need to see what we need to do. But we want to hold on so tight because we don't want them to do anything that when they finally go, like girls feel more controlled at home than boys do and statistically, more girls were leaving home to go to college just because they wanted to get out of the home. So, um, so what what they really need is for you to give them and trust them. If they do something, then let's deal with it. And you go, well, can't that? Be, wouldn't that be too late? Probably not. It would be a good teaching tool. What's going to be bad is if you give them the third degree, and they they're good kids and they're not going to do anything. And then they go out and do something because they feel so inadequate in your eyes. Stop taking care of me so much. So it kind of goes into that, you know, um, just give me some space is what they're saying. But it's hard for us because, again, they want their space, but they want us to be there as a, you know, their mommy and their daddy when they want us to. That's a tough thing. But don't we do the same thing with God? I mean, God doesn't come down and hammer on us and go, okay, because you may do this. I'm going to do this. In fact, he says, I know you're going to do this. And I love you anyway. There will be consequences. And I do expect change. But I already died for sins you haven't even made yet. And so it's that love, that unconditional love. God trusts us. Why? Because he gave us a free will. Are we giving them this free freedom? And if they mess up, okay, huge teaching opportunity. I work with probation, juvenile probation, so a lot of juveniles. And um, and I thank God that some of this happened when they were 14, 15 <coughs> instead of 17, 18, and the consequences are insurmountable. So I, I like when I can get that teaching opportunity. Putting me down. A lot of times kids feel like dad is, it's that one more thing. You know what, son, you did great out there on the team. But I saw this one instant when you could have done better. (coughs) Remember, let's go back to putting it on them. You know what, son? You played a heck of a game. Well, Dad, I didn't do this. Well, what do you you think you can do next time? And how can I help? How can I help you in that area? Because... They want to please you. You may not think that they do. They may not act like they do, but they want your approval so bad. They want to know that you approve of who they are, not what they are, a great basketball player, a great student, but of who they are. They're part of you, and they want to know that you approve of that, making me feel worthless because of simple mistakes. So it's kind of, you see, for this, the dad plays a big part in their eyes of, um, this is mom. Um, making me feel worthless because of simple mistakes that's because mother we're really like hovering I can't believe you're going to wear those pants with that shirt I can't believe you're wearing that socks with this this but I mean I think what you see in here is it's kind of the both Um, I think moms tend to be um, more of the hovering dads are more of the commanding and the truth is it's the same kind of both for mom and for dad I was talking about you dads I feel bad now kind of this is a, it's the last one, but it's huge, embarrassing me in front of my friends. Um, I had this 13-year-old, and she goes, he drops me off at school, and I, I'm walking up with my friends, he goes, I love you, I'll pick you up right after school for your tennis lesson. She goes, I just want to die. <laughs> Dad, Mom, stop a block before the school.'" Kiss me, hug me, whatever you feel like you need to do to me. But when we get to in front of my friends, just let me out. Okay? Because um, it's not what you do that one day. It's what you do in a lifetime. You know, a lot of times I, uh, in another life, worked with cancer patients. And um, and people would say, oh, you know, I just need to know when my mom, I want to be there when my mom and dad are on their deathbed. You know, I just, I'll feel horrible if I miss it. I'm like, you know, I want to be able to say something like, you know what? Why do we worry so much about what we're going to say on their deathbed? Why don't we just care about what we say while they're living? You know, I say, don't bring me flowers when I'm in the grave. Bring them to me when I can smell them. Right? So so we, we we're like, I just want to be there for the life. You know what? I wasn't he- I was here when my mom died, thank God. But even if I hadn't been, my mom had no doubt in her mind that I adored her, mistakes and all. So it's not that I had to be there on her day. De- it's like it was her life. It was a testimony all her life. Annoying me. Okay, I don't know what moms, when they say that, I don't know at all how all you're annoying. But they go, Mom, you're annoying me. I think, I think, again, this is something I really want you all to kind of zoom in on, whether it's your kids or your spouse or whatever. We think we know what the other person is thinking. And so we don't even ask. They go, well, how will I know? Ask them. Okay, tell me specifically how I'm annoying you. Well, when you do this, this, is it because then you know how to change. So it's like, it's like a, a wife who says, well, I want my husband to be more romantic. Oh, my gosh. Where do we even start with that? I had a father that was putting candles, putting soft music on, Doing a bubble bath, she goes, I don't like any of that. I'm like, I like it. I'll take it. Right? So so we think we know what they need or what they're looking for or what they want. Why don't we just ask them? Because um, teens, one thing they say is, I just want my mom and dad to be honest with me, and I want to be honest with them. But if we're yelling, if they, a lot of them said, if I go to the – Them with an issue, I'd rather not because of the way they respond. So think about that. If we go to God, what if God put in that? If you come to me with an issue, you better be afraid of how I'm going to respond. Can't we just be like him? And remember that some of you were here when I talked about how information that my son's girlfriend gave me, you just have this poker face. Don't ever let them know that what they just told you scared the heck out of you because they will never come to you again. You need to be that safe haven for them because the world's going to beat them up. Remember, we are in this world. We are not of this world. Your home needs to be that safe haven. They need to come in your home and feel that God is there, that they can take in a deep breath, let it out, and they're safe. Because if they're getting it on the outside and they're getting the inside, we wonder why our suicide rate, why our eating disorders, why our cutting, why our pulling hair is all that we're seeing. Uh, we're wondering why that's happening. They need your home to be that safe haven. They really do. What one thing would you change about your home? The tension. These are our kids. These are 105 students at Rock Point. Hostile and selfish environment when things get busy. So what they were kind of telling me is we're all under pressure, whether we work outside the home or we don't. There's deadlines, there's the groceries, there's the the bills, there's the economy, there's the this. How do we work under pressure? Because remember how we're modeling to them, they're going to do. And so what they see is and I know I used to be guilty of this big time. If I was having some event at my house, I would start panicking. Okay, hurry up, hurry up. And they're like, "Mom, what? Just chill." Okay. So so when we get busy, um they they notice that there's tension and that that's difficult for them. I'm just giving you their words. I'm not making any of this up. I I um all the fighting. I think we'll get to another, uh, this other question, but I don't want to forget it just in case we do. One of the things that did come up is that a lot of times siblings will maybe like pick on one of the kids and they feel that mom and dad are not taking that seriously. I remember one kid I told you I had to have him sign a contract that he would not kill himself before the next time I saw him and that he had this uh, girlfriend that was of a different ethnicity and the mom and dad were making fun. But the brother was really ragging him, and the parents would just sit and laugh about it. I'll tell you, I would have had that kid upstairs for a while. So they feel that sometimes that we're not helping monitor and control how the siblings are are treating each other. (coughs) So when they talked about the arguing, it's my parents' arguing. And it's okay to disagree. My husband and I uh, differ on some very major issues, but it's a healthy debate. And, and I, I'm not gonna. My job's not to win him to my side or him, and uh, or him to the other. But but it's not about arguing, and I have to be right. Um, Billy Graham, his children said that his parents never argued in front of them. That's not healthy either. And I'm not talking about arguing. I'm talking about having a discussion about differences of opinion because they never taught their children how to have a difference of opinion and have a healthy discussion about that. So it's not that you don't disagree in front of your kids. It's that you do it in a way that's healthy. Room decor. Okay, if they want to paint their room, if they want to – My dad left on TDY one time. I painted my walls purple, my baseboard black, and I put black lights on it. He came in, and he said, she's on drugs. We need to get her in counseling. (laughs) I'm like, no, I just like purple, and I like – he had me put in ten coats of pink before it was all over. But, again, do we care what their room looks like? We really shouldn't. Right? I mean, okay, once a week it needs to be cleaned. The rest of the time, who cares? That's their only haven.
1: One kid says, I have to pick
0: one? I just thought that was kind of cute. Do you, see a, do you see some consistency going on in here? No. They want y'all to be close. They're asking for it. We talked about that, ignoring the self rivalry. So what if they could say this about us? My mom's always there. My dad's always there. He always makes me feel better. She always makes me feel better. They listen to me. What if they could say that about us? They're easy to talk to. They're for me through everything. Most of them said nothing, that he would speak directly to me, make him easier to share with others, could change into human to hang out with us. (laughs) I love that. What is your favorite thing? Case, I'm glad you're in here, because I put a funny one in here about you. The awesome people. And I think this is good information for you, Case, and I'm going to do something so that you can have, the Rock Point can have, um, because I think these were good. They feel like a family here. Your kids do. I love that. Mixture of big church and small church. People seem happy. Do you see how important it is for people to be happy to our kids? They're here for you. More outings. More food. <laughs> Stock the refrigerators. I would have my refrigerator stocked so that the kids could come to my house. That case would make the volleyball court like he said he would. <laughs> And I just put a funny face there, Kay, so that you would know that it was funny. Like thirty grand, I think. No excuses. Okay? No excuses. Our kids don't want excuses. Okay? So anyway, guys, I hope these this series was helpful to you. And 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 I did make copies for you guys to have so we can, we can ask you. Yeah. Um, so that you can have them, and all the other series are going to be online. They're taped vocally, and I'll put my PowerPoint in. I just want to make some changes so that we understand. But any any questions that you feel would benefit the entire group? I may get my gold in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did. Fun, but... Well, I would ask them. I would ask them, do, do, do you think this is fun? Do you think this is funny? You know, I think we just don't ask them. What is it that you need for me to do to make you feel better in your home? And, um, and you may say, you know, write it down. Because remember I talked about getting into their medium? Maybe it is um, that you communicate to them through writing things, texting them leaving them a voice message, okay, is it my favorite way? No. But until y'all develop that really full, great, great relationship, we're going to meet them where they are. Doesn't God need us? You know, he's just, God is such a perfect parent. If we just think about how he responds to us as a parent, it's, um, it's amazing. If we just practice the way he treats us, he gives us choices, he gives us consequences for those choices. Right? But he gives us that freedom. Because There is nothing sweeter than a child who comes up to you unsolicited to give you a hug or a kiss. (coughs) There is nothing sweeter than to walk into your child's room. And I remember walking into my son's room, 19 years old. He had just started college. And I walk in, and he's on his knees in prayer. And I'm like, That's all I ever want to do, Lord. I want him to give, I wanted to give them the knowledge that when I'm not there for them, you are always there for them. And so they model, you model for them, and they will live the way you model. And if they don't, and if you don't, they'll look at other families, and they will model. But God charged us with that. I know there's a big issue about prayer in school. I think it's our responsibility. I don't care whether the school does it or not. God charged me to do it. God charged me to teach them those things. And and so, what if what if we could see? I love that my parents pray together. I love that we pray together as a family. And again, they may do that, and you may do that. This was just like I said. I didn't want us to feel beat up because this is about the things that I asked them that they would like to see change in. Um, Certainly, they're not going to put the things in there that. They don't need to see changing because y'all are doing them already. So kudos to y'all on those things. And there were a lot of good, fun, positive things. Um, I just felt like let's address the things that we need to change. It's not, you know, to beat us up. It's just these are the things that meant a lot to them. So um, I hope it was beneficial to you. And like I said, all the information will be on the Internet. Uh, for Rock Point, and y'all have been awesome. I've really enjoyed this. I'm kind of sad because there's so much information, but, um, we'll do this again next year. So, thank y'all for coming.